Atlanta News First investigates the largest investigative team in Georgia, holding the powerful accountable and fighting for you. Now, in this series of podcasts, we take you behind the scenes of our most recent investigations. Welcome to Behind the Investigation with Atlanta News First. Now, a special report from Atlanta News First investigates. A brother urges the state to take action after his sister is brutally murdered. What happened to my sister was preventable. A Georgia loophole allows a convicted sex offender to go undetected. It could have been anyone. It should have been no one. And the push for a new law to tighten restrictions. There is no cost that is too high to protect human life. Our special report, Miriam's Law, starts now. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rachel Polanski. Our year-long investigation exposed a backlog that allowed convicted sex offenders to live in communities across Georgia without ever getting leveled or reviewed. It resulted in a new law. We began searching for answers when 27-year-old Miriam Abdelrab was kidnapped, shot, and killed by a stranger who prosecutors say abducted her from her boyfriend's driveway. We uncovered that stranger was a repeat sex offender with a history of violent crimes, including child molestation and attempted rape. Still, he was never leveled. Had any of his prior convictions been handled differently, Miriam's family believed she might still be alive today. That's why they began calling on the state to take action. Miriam Abdelrab was always creating. She loved drawing. She was an amazing artist. Today, those sketches and this community mural memorializing her life is all her baby brother Ollie has left. She probably didn't know it while she was here, but I definitely looked up to her. After her late night bartending shift, Miriam stopped at a gas station. Police told Miriam's family it appeared she was spotted there randomly and followed. Then, surveillance video captures the moments she gets to her boyfriend's house. Seconds later, another car pulls up. That's when a man approaches Miriam and forces her into his car, all while Miriam's boyfriend watches helplessly. Oh my God, bro, I just watched her get kidnapped from in front of my house. She had a gun pointed to her? Yes, I watched it all through my window in my front yard. He had a gun to her and he forced her into a car. Four hours after that panicked 911 call, Miriam was found dead with multiple gunshot wounds. In the weeks that followed, her family was overcome with grief. Then as more details came out, the trauma intensified. I kind of broke down. I like fell down to my knees. What happened to my sister was preventable. Atlanta News First investigates dug into DeMarcus Brinkley's history and uncovered a schizophrenia diagnosis and a record of violent crimes. According to Fulton County Court documents, Brinkley was accused of raping a seven-year-old girl in 2012. Then in 2013, he was found on top of a naked six-year-old girl. In 2015, he pled guilty to child molestation, attempted rape, and cruelty to children. The state recommended he serve 15 years in prison, followed by 15 years on probation. Instead, Brinkley was sentenced to 15 years total, seven in prison, followed by eight on probation. He'd also have to register as a sex offender. But when Brinkley was released in 2020, that's when we found that he never received a risk-level assessment. That's when offenders are designated Tier 1, 2, or 3, depending on their risk level for sexual reoffense. If you go on the sex offender registry website, it says not leveled on his name still. He's right. 
We took these findings to the executive director of the Georgia Sex Offender Registration Review Board, who blamed a backlog for offenders not getting leveled, which she says is, quote, due to understaffing and a lack of funds. Unlike some states where sex offenders are leveled on the day of their sentencing, Georgia levels sex offenders when they are released from prison. To this day, our communities are at risk. And that's where the family says Miriam's law comes into the picture. By one, requiring sex offenders who have not received a risk level assessment to be fitted with an ankle monitor. Once they are leveled, tier three offenders would be required to wear the monitor for the duration of their sentence, while tier one and tier two offenders could have them removed. And two, requiring sex offenders to carry an ID card with a specific symbol that is recognizable to law enforcement. There might be more Demarcus Brinkley's out there, and we don't want this to happen to anybody else. Should Miriam's law move forward, it's likely that it will face some legal challenges. In 2019, the Georgia Supreme Court struck down a law that required lifetime ankle monitoring of high-risk sex offenders. And as far as ID cards, which disclose sex offender status, critics in other states have called them a modern-day scarlet letter. Still, Atlanta News First Investigates found at least eight states that have such cards. Miriam's death was 100% preventable. The family has also received support from Atlanta Councilwoman Keisha Waits. I I am very sensitive to an individual's privacy. I understand that. However, when it comes to a level three and only a level three offender, I think the dynamics are different. I think it's about the greater public good. And I think in this particular case, I think had we had something like that in place, we could have tracked this individual, we could have monitored him and perhaps saved her life. A legislative lifeline that could provide protection for years to come. It will be a part of her legacy. A legacy. Murals are nice, but the family hopes. I think if less tragedies happen. We'll go beyond the many scribed sentiments and into Georgia state law. That'd be the goal. While the family carefully constructed Miriam's law, which would expand ankle monitor restrictions for sex offenders, there was one problem. They did not have a lawmaker to sponsor it. The following months were just the beginning of their fight for change. It's unfortunate that tragedies have to occur for change to become a conversation. Miriam Abdurab's loved ones believe she might still be alive if her alleged killer's previous convictions were handled differently. We cannot, with good conscience, allow these sexually dangerous predators to be able to roam free without being heavily monitored. That's why they spoke before Atlanta City Council one year after her murder. This law, the GPS requirement, would help aid um, the community at large and those most subjected to being victim of violent crimes. To think there could be another person capable of doing this, roaming freely this second, is why Miriam's law is so important. Following their remarks, the Atlanta City Council unanimously approved a resolution urging state lawmakers to adopt Miriam's law. 15 days, 0 nays, the motion to adopt 22-R-3852 carries. But it would take another five months before Representative Stephen Saines would step up and file legislation. And I think it's a testimony to the advocacy that Miriam's family and friends have done. The crux of his legislation was built around what the family wanted. Convicted sex offenders released from prison who had not received a risk-level assessment would be fitted with an ankle monitor. Once they were leveled, Tier 3 offenders would be required to wear the monitor for the duration of their sentence while Tier 1 and Tier 2 offenders 
could have them removed. There is a big backlog uh, of cases, so we don't want individuals to fall in the cracks of, of being monitored while they wait to see if they're a level one, two, or three, which is that dangerous sexual predator. But there were also compromises. The section related to sex offenders carrying ID cards with symbols recognizable to law enforcement was deleted altogether. It's something the family says they're okay with if it means the bill moving forward. I would say we're still satisfied. We're just hoping that they support it when they when it gets into the committees and floor. Over the last year, Miriam's family and friends dropped everything, fighting for this legislation in her honor. So why did they do it? And who was Miriam Abdurab? Let's take a moment to meet the woman who inspired such dedication. When we first saw it, it was so small. A tiny seat planted just two short years ago. But it's really great. It's grown a lot. Now filters light. She was the sun, honestly. Through a living memorial. We are in uh, <laughs> Piedmont Park, and we are at Miriam's Memorial Tree. Where deep roots intertwine. This is always home to me. Roots supplying strength and support. A fitting homage to six strangers who grew into one family. How did Miriam impact your life? This might take me a second, I'm sorry. In every way possible. <laughs> we met in art class. We met in our science class. I met Miriam 17 years ago. We kind of knew of each other because we had the same friend groups. I went up to her and I was like, what are you drawing? At Miriam's tree, the memories come rushing back. We decided to get together for a school project. We chose each other. Ever since then, we just started doing sleepovers, crying, laughing together, growing together. One of my best memories was when all the girls came together and we had a picnic. She just was the life of the party there, as always, as she always has been. One of the last trips me and Miriam took together, we went to Mexico and Tulum. It was very freeing, liberating in a way. We went to dinner that night alone and we rode bikes there, but the memory of us riding bikes back was the most amazing thing because we were acting like we're 10 years old again. Laughing, giggling, all the things. How would you describe Miriam in three words? She was selfless. Understanding. Loving. Kind. Compassionate. Caring. Forgiving. Generous. Positive. Loud. <laughs> She's very loud. Happy birthday, I guess. It's easy to see why Miriam Abdelrab owned all their hearts. She made us always feel like we belonged. For a lot of queer people, uh, we have chosen families, and Miriam was like a big part of my chosen family. Um, she gave me some of the best friends I could have ever asked for. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm so grateful for that. And she gave me that family and our family, and I, I just couldn't have asked for anything better. Is there any particular lesson that you learned from Miriam? She taught me how to really believe in myself. To treat people with kindness no matter what. She was kind of the angel on my shoulder at all times, so she taught me how to be more open to love. Overall just showed me that no matter what, love matters above all. Miriam Abdelrab might be gone, but this tree and the love of six friends survives. She's definitely a 
part of who I am today. At Piedmont Park, <laughs> they're celebrating new life. Seeing something grow in that place is just nice and it's peaceful. While remembering the one they lost. When you say like someone has been taken off of Earth too early because they were too good for this world, that's her. She's too good for this world. Still ahead, Miriam's law makes its way through the state capitol, but it's met with opposition. Unfortunately, I think we're using this bill to some degree to exploit that tragedy. That's coming up after the break. investigation exposed a Georgia loophole that allowed a convicted sex offender to go undetected. Miriam Abderup's family believes better tracking could have kept her alive. I was inside the state capitol when Miriam's law was first introduced, and I stayed there each step of the way as loved ones pushed lawmakers to close the gap. I think we're using this bill to some degree to exploit that tragedy. It's become Miriam's law out of political convenience. That's not the way I see the names. I see the names as a reminder of stuff that we didn't get done when we should have. And these are the consequences. Miriam Abdelrab's alleged killer was a repeat sex offender with a history of violent crimes, including child molestation, attempted rape, and cruelty to children. Yet when he was released from prison in 2020, he never received a risk-level assessment. The tragedy and the pain that my family went through, uh, it's very important to make sure that doesn't happen to anyone else. This bill would do just that. Miriam's law would require sex offenders who have not received a risk-level assessment to be fitted with an ankle monitor. Once they are leveled, the most dangerous offenders would be required to wear an electronic monitor for the duration of their probation, while lower-level offenders could have them removed if the Department of Community Supervision gives the okay. Miriam's law would also change the name of the Sexual Offender Registration Review Board to the Sexual Offender Risk Review Board, something the executive director supports. There is research that shows that the GPS monitor does reduce recidivism. I am finding now that in when we did have GPS for life with sex offenders when they're predators, we had I got notified less often of them reoffending. Still, the Georgia Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers believes that Miriam's law could violate defendants' rights by requiring lifetime ankle monitoring. There are due process concerns there. The idea behind this law is that we're going to take the names of crimes and we're going to make them be life sentences. Despite some opposition, the majority of those who testified during multiple committee hearings said the restrictions that come with Miriam's law could stop violent crimes before they happen. We believe it is a huge step forward in enhancing public safety here in the state of Georgia. If such a bill was a law, uh, we know that Miriam's situation could have been prevented. And with that... Chairman, I make a motion to pass. The senators voted. All those in favor, please raise your hand. And Miriam's law passed the Public Safety Committee unanimously. This meeting is hereby adjourned. A few days later, the legislation made its way to the Senate floor. So as to enact Miriam's law. After Senator John Albers agreed to co-sponsor the bill. This individual should have been known, should have been leveled and monitored as a sexually dangerous predator. I have served in this Senate chamber for quite some time now. And in only a few occasions can I tell you that we're going to do something that's so meaningful and so powerful to honor someone 
their memory and their legacy. After a five-minute speech, Senator Albers asked his fellow senators to light the board green. Let's honor the life and legacy of Miriam. And they did. On the passage of the bill, the yeas are 52 and the nays are 1. This bill, having to see the requisite constitutional majority, is therefore passed by substitute. Then, in a rare show of solidarity, senators on both sides of the aisle stood. I want to recognize the family up there in the gallery. And gave Miriam's family and friends a round of applause. Coming up, Miriam's law heads to the governor's desk. And her friends celebrate. HB 188. In a unique way. We did get it before it was signed, but we had high hopes. (laughs) That part of the story after the break. Turning tragedy into triumph. Two years after Miriam Abdurab was murdered by a stranger, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed Miriam's law. It went into effect July 1st, and it expands restrictions for convicted sex offenders in Georgia something Miriam's family believes will stop violent crimes before they happen. In the weeks after Miriam Abdelrab was kidnapped and murdered, her brother Ali and his family were overcome with grief. Then as more details came out, the trauma intensified. Atlanta News first investigates dug into Miriam's alleged killer's history and uncovered DeMarcus Brinkley had a record of violent crimes, including child molestation, attempted rape, and cruelty to children. Brinkley was also supposed to register as a sex offender. But when he was released from prison in 2020, we found he never received a risk level assessment. That's where Miriam's brother, Ali, says Miriam's law comes into the picture. By requiring sex offenders who have not received a risk level assessment to be fitted with ankle monitors. I think it'll be a big part of uh, preventing future crimes uh, like Miriam's from happening. I see it saving lives. Once leveled, the most dangerous offenders would have to wear the monitors for the duration of their probation, while lower-level offenders could have them removed under certain conditions. Representative Stephen Saines and Senator John Albers co-sponsored the legislation. We're doing this to keep families safe because we know that a GPS monitor on individuals who are likely to reoffend is going to prevent future victims from, from reoccurring. This bill assures that any of our dangerous sexual predators are going to be monitored for the rest of their life. We need to make sure that if someone is no longer incarcerated in jail, that they still also don't pose a threat uh, to society. And after months of committee hearings, along with House and Senate votes, Miriam's law finally made its way to the governor's desk. And with that, it became law, something Senator Albers attributed to Miriam's family and to Atlanta News First Investigates. You are part of the reason that we are here today. Your proactive approach to this, your in-depth journalism, and getting the word out there of a tragedy that we could turn into a positive is part of the reason that we're getting to spend this time together today. A day that was filled with a lot of emotion for Miriam's family and friends. Feeling really good, probably the best ever during this whole process. It feels like I just ran a race and we just got done and I could finally drink that bottle of water that was waiting for me. Huge weight off of my shoulders for finally getting this done. Many celebrated not just with photos. That's cool. But also with tattoos. I have HB 188. Stands for House Bill 188. That's right. Tattoos with HB 188, honoring Miriam and her law that they believe will save lives. Love always wins. The love that Miriam left behind was a huge part of uh, getting this law into place. 
How did you feel when the governor signed Marion's law? I felt like a wave, like this breeze that's hitting us right now. That's what I felt in that moment. Um, a sense of calm. It felt like my heart literally dropped into my stomach and it kind of just felt like relief that we finally got something done. Knowing that we implemented something that is going to benefit the community and something in her name. It took a lot of weight off our shoulders for sure. We decided that in order to move past this grief was to help others. It's something that she would have wanted us to do in her memory. I know she's looking down on us now and is so proud of us all. A huge sense of relief that the state acknowledged that there was a flaw in the system and it needed to be fixed and it could potentially save even one additional life was important to us. All of my closest friends' are, lives are changed forever. I mean, we'll never have her at our weddings, at our, they'll never get to meet her, she'll never get to meet her kids. So it, it's a huge, I mean, it's a huge sense of relief that someone else doesn't have to feel that level of pain. I do want to point out that Miriam's law passed before her alleged killer had even gone to trial. He was indicted on nine felony counts, including murder, kidnapping, and attempted rape. For Miriam's family and friends, her impact on those around her did not end with her death. Their fight for justice continues. This has been a special report from Atlanta News First Investigates. Thank you so much for joining us.